0: Hi, I'm Kathy Rushing, host of the podcast, Committed The Entrepreneur Marriage. If your middle name is Restless and you identify with words like innovator, dreamer, change maker, creative, independent, or you are married to an entrepreneur, or heaven help you, you're both entrepreneurs, this podcast is for you. The entrepreneurial journey can be a little wild at times, like uncharted territory. Join me as I talk with others who are at various stages of the entrepreneur process. We'll explore the wisdom and insights they have gained while navigating the ups and downs of the entrepreneur journey. You'll discover that there are many couples who have found ways to thrive in both their business and marriage. My guests today are Zach and Rachel Newman. I was introduced to Zach through a mutual coach, Mike Loomis, when Zach was releasing his book a few years ago. His book is titled, Chasing Dreams in a Minivan, for men with big goals and the women who put up with them. Well, I was pretty sure they would be kindred spirits, and after interviewing them, my suspicion was confirmed. Zach has owned two Figaro's pizza restaurants in Oregon and served on staff at their church, but recently found himself in transition again. There is one thing that most entrepreneurs have in common. They tend to be restless, always thinking about the next, and Zach is no exception. Zach indulges his Enneagram 4 by writing, mostly, he said, to remind himself to keep first things first. Listen for how his writing opens the door for conversations with Rachel, how he views work and ministry, and how they have learned to create realistic expectations over the years, especially since his busiest times at work happen to be dinner time. Good morning, Zach and Rachel. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having us, Kathy.
2: Thank you, Kathy.
0: Oh, man, thanks for making time. so great to have you. And first of all, we want to just get to know you a little bit. So tell us about where you guys live and
2: what roles you currently hold, your family. Sure. Yeah, we live in Oakland, Oregon, which is in like Southern Oregon. And it's a little teeny historic town that we just love the
0: community. I see some of your pictures, Zach, and and they're beautiful.
1: Yeah, we get sunsets every night, so it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, the town's a whopping 800 people. Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, and currently, I do a few different things. So I own a pizza restaurant, yeah, I'm an author, coach, and speaker, and then we've started a little farm business called Six Day Farm. So
2: Oh cool. Six Day Farm?
1: Yeah.
2: And I teach fifth grade. So I'm busy with kids a lot.
0: Oh my goodness. What has this year been like for you, Rachel? Have you primarily been online?
2: Um, half of the year we were online and then in January we came back to in person wearing masks and socially distancing. And it's this year, it's felt like two years.
0: <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because to some degree, it's like, uh, you know, a lot of us are like, oh, that happened last year. And somebody will say, no, that was two years ago. It was like, oh, yeah, we, we lost a year, kind of. But, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys have how many kids currently?
2: We have three kids.
0: Well, I say currently,
2: like maybe there will be more. Yeah. Nope, we're We're for that.
0: <laughs> Didn't mean to imply <laughs> anything.
2: <laughs> so three, and they are how old? Uh, Zoe is twelve. We call her our protein. She's close to thirteen. Uh-huh. And Luke is ten, and Hope is eight. Oh, how that Spitfire?
0: Yeah. That's so great, and how long have you guys been married?
1: Seventeen years in gym yeah.
0: well, congratulations you've got a celebration coming up thank you and i I know from your book zach you you like celebrating, and we are kindred spirits there. I'm like, celebrate everything, celebrate every anniversary, birthday. Did we make money last month? Yay, let's celebrate. That's
2: right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a couple of questions that I like to ask couples as just a way to kind of icebreakers. The first one is, if your marriage was a team sport, what would it be?
2: First thought is basketball. Uh, Since we had three kids, it was like we went from one-on-one defense to zone defense. (laughs) And it feels like every kid has their own play that we have to follow in order to be successful parents. So it's never ending. It's always go, 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 which feels like basketball. Yeah.
0: (laughs) How about you, Zach? Would you have a different...
1: No, I totally agree with that. I think, yeah, yeah, we joked the moment we came home with our third, but okay, it's changed the game now. Yeah. Now it is zone, and what are we going to do now? Um, <laughs> and our life is always on the go, back and forth, back and forth. That's that's what it feels like. So that celebrating thing you mentioned, Kathy, is so important yeah. because of that. Otherwise, days turn into weeks and months, years, and then it's what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, somewhere you need a halftime to just <laughs> <laughs> right. breathe. <And> breathe. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it will come. It will come all too quickly. I can tell Mm -hmm. you that. We have three. They're all grown and married and wonderful spouses. And we love all of our, I call them our in-loves instead of in-laws. Yeah. So we're very fortunate there, but it does. It seems like you blink twice and they're, they're grown up.
2: Mm -hmm. So
0: we are all a work in progress, but up until this point, what would you say is a person or a book that has most influenced and shaped the person you are today?
2: That's a good one. Um, well, I would say for marriage, right before we got married, I read Love and Respect by Emerson Agridge's, and that really, I think, helped guide me as a wife and realizing how much Zach needs respect. Mm. And in turn, I get the love that I need. So that book really shaped me.
1: Awesome. Yeah, and f- yeah for me, um, I'm going to go second so you can't steal my answer. Um, She's shaped <laughs> me more than anyone else. We, we actually met in eighth grade. And so no we've, way. we've grown up together. And so I've been... Radically shaped by her.
0: Wow. Do you want to unpack that a little bit or tell us some ways that she has shaped you?
1: Yeah. Um, she has shaped me to see other people. So she's the empathetic one in our marriage. And so it has made me much more empathetic than I would have been without her. Ah. I would have been focused on dollars and not people. And... Honestly, probably the dollars wouldn't have came because of it, but because of her, that that's the biggest thing. And then um, a safe place for me just to be who, mm. who God designed me to be, which is, I think, one of the most important things in this world. And, I mean, without it, I probably would have just been a masked up person pretending to be someone that I wasn't. Mm. Yeah, a big fake. Yeah.
0: What a beautiful picture of marriage and... Gosh, thanks for sharing that. What are three words that you would use to describe your spouse?
2: Well, I would say Zach is very visionary. He's an adventurer and a restorer.
1: And Rachel, I already said one of them, but empathy, constant empathy and uh, loving and fun she, she's the one that actually brings the fun. I have to mark the celebrations because otherwise I won't. But <laughs> um, Rachel is the fun one.
0: Oh, that's fun. Well, let's dive into your story a little bit. You said you met each other in eighth grade. Now, when did you start dating?
2: So we started dating our, well, the summer of our junior year in high school. Yeah, I was a stalker. I first spotted Zach in eighth grade doing track, And I thought, ooh, who is this new boy that came from the Christian school? And I followed him to his classes and <laughs> had my sister drive me by his house a few times. <laughs> There's a woman that knows what
0: she wants. <laughs> I did,
2: yes, I really did. And I prayed that God would one day bring him to me and we would get married. So...
1: He listened and followed through with that. God, listen, not me. I, I
0: ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, track came in in That's handy, right? right. You it just kept running.
1: It freaked me out. I was like, "We barely talked."
0: <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Um, that
1: took till I yeah. was seventeen, and well, I'd say I grew a brain then, but I don't think that happened till later. <laughs> but but yeah, I right. was dating at seventeen, and when it came time for college, I asked her where she was going which was the University of Oregon. And so I said, oh, um, I guess me too. I was never great at school. So I was never focused on school. So I followed her there. How oh, funny. We got married after um, she graduated. So.
0: Okay. So right out of college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So when you got married, what did the future look like in terms of work and what your aspirations were for... For work and your purpose in life.
1: So uh we were young and dumb. Um so we all yeah, June (laughs) 1st, I bought our first restaurant uh, that we currently own now. And Mm -hmm. we got married on the 27th of that month.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And so um and Rachel was doing her master's in education that year. So a lot of people fight their first year of marriage year. We didn't see each other, so we didn't fight at all.
0: That might be a new approach to newlywed years. Right, right? No.
1: Right. I had no clue what I was getting into. I think both in marriage and in business. And so, um, yeah. you know, we went on a two-week honeymoon and I thought, oh, my store will be fine. I mean, I came back to mass chaos and I had to sleep in the back of the store because I was there so often. Um, because yeah, the crew all left. They didn't like me as a, a boss. I didn't know how to leave yet. so.
0: Yeah, you were all of what, 22? 22. 22. What led you to buy a business at 22, Zach?
1: So I grew up, I own a Figaro's Pizza. My dad owned several Figaro's Pizzas growing up. And so I started working in the restaurant, washing dishes at eight. And so I knew the business very well. Uh, My dad told me I would never get into the business. Um,
0: Because he wanted something else for me. Oh, he didn't want you to go into the business. No, he said it's
1: too hard. Um, yeah. And right before um, I was going to get married, I was working several part-time jobs. And he, he said, hey, there's a store for sale in Southern Oregon that's mm-hmm. three and a half hours from me. You should check it out. And so we drove down here. We, we didn't even know where that town was and thought, okay, let's give this a shot.
0: Wow. That's a big step, as especially as newlyweds. It's one thing, like you said, to know the business. It's another thing to know how to run it and make those decisions about hiring and all the things that go with running the business. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming, Rachel, that given that you all started off that way, you had an inkling that he was an entrepreneur or did you... Even know that word then?
2: Um, yeah, I think for the most part I knew what that word was then. But yeah, ever since I met him, I knew he was going to be in the business in some type of business, and um, just the way that he talked, and he always wanted to do something with his hands, and he would easily get bored, and just always had to do new things. So I knew that he had that entrepreneurial spirit in him.
0: Yeah. And did you have any experience with that, Rachel, in terms of knowing kind of what to expect on this journey?
2: Never. No. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so I came from a house of educators, so uh, and being a teacher, that's what I grew up and that's what I was used to. My mom being a teacher, fourth grade teacher, and my dad was a superintendent of a school district. Uh, so that kind of was what I was used to and having my mom home on in the summers and uh, on breaks and my dad having a month off and it just yeah, it was way different than Zach's family. so that took some adjusting too for sure.
0: Mm, absolutely. So how did you guys begin to adapt to you know some people, liken the entrepreneurial journey to a roller coaster with ups and downs and highs and lows and curves you weren't expecting. And part of the reason that I do this podcast is I'm I'm kind of beating a drum trying to change a narrative that says you have to give up everything, sacrifice everything to have a successful business or venture or creative pursuit, whatever it is that's entrepreneurial. And I disagree. And I'm finding couples like yourselves who have figured out ways, maybe are still figuring out ways to create a healthy marriage and thrive as a couple and individuals while building a successful business. So, can you give us some thoughts about what you all have learned? along the way in terms of how you navigate, especially these unexpected turns?
2: Right. So I would say that we're just intentional about communicating with each other daily about our days and what was the high in the day, what was the low in the day. Uh, And also uh, we Actually, recently, just we wrote some goals, and one goal is that we would have a weekly date night uh, because the last year and a half that hasn't happened consistently with things that are going on, Uh, and then also Sabbathing once a week, so Sunday being our Sabbath day where we just rest and connect as a couple and as a family and delight in things um, of God. So I think that that has helped us be grounded with each other and uh, stay connected through the busyness of life.
1: Yeah, I think, unfortunately, most of the lessons we've learned in that regard have been because of uh, not doing them.
0: Right.
1: Uh, you know, I, I think early on in business, and unfortunately, I'm so glad you're doing this. I mean, fortunately, I'm glad you're doing this. podcast, <laughs> Kathy, Because uh, entrepreneurs, unfortunately, most, I think, their business is a mistress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it. They got into, I think business owners get excited about things. They um, got into it for freedom and it becomes the chains to their life. And that was me. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I was sleeping in the back of the store. I, I was, um, washing my hair in the back sinks because, you know, put a cot on the back floor and work in the 80 hours plus and why mm-hmm. uh, but I but I didn't know any different and Rachel's uh you're familiar with Enneagram she's at Enneagram 9 so she's a peacemaker and so
0: I suspected
1: that's right so yeah. she just uh she just went with it until we had kids and then me being home super late was no longer okay mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. in my immaturity I I wasn't okay with her not being okay with that. Like, this is what you signed up for. And so a lot of arguments to get to the life now that business is free. Yeah. Because we make it that way.
0: Yep. The founder of Spanx, um, I just blanked on her name. Uh, Sarah. Is it Sarah? I'll have to come up with it. Anyway, she's... I have a quote somewhere that I wrote down that she said, entrepreneurs are the only ones that will work 80 hours for themselves to avoid working 40 hours for someone else. And, you know, there are things that drive entrepreneurs. Uh, You know, people look at it once you're successful and there are systems and things are flowing better. And it's like, you know, where you... You've worked very hard maybe to have a little more freedom in your schedule, and people go it must be nice. It's like you don't know what it took to get here you know where were you when I was sleeping on a cot in the back room and um and a lot of marriages don't make that they aren't able to navigate that and so that is part of the reason for you know helping couples hear that there are couples that have made it through it's still a work in progress so you enjoy writing, Zach. You've written a book. You write a lot of posts for different entrepreneur, I think. And uh, where else have you written?
1: Um, I've written on Fast Company as well. Um, I did Addicted to Success, Mind, Body, Green.
0: The Good Men Project. I've seen your the articles there. Look. Yep, yep. And they say that one of the benefits of writing is that it helps to clarify our thoughts and beliefs. And so I'm curious to know what are some principles that have become more clear to you, especially as it pertains to your marriage in the context of business? Uh, What are some principles that you have found to be really important for you and Rachel?
1: So I don't write for anyone else. And and maybe that's terrible writing advice um, because most people say, you know, you pick the avatar and um, do that. For me, it is to clarify thought. It is to remind myself what matters because everything that doesn't matter is demanding. Mm. Uh, Things that matter aren't my relationship with God, my relationship with Rachel, my relationship with all three of my kids. They're not going to be demanding until it's harmed. In some way and mm-hmm. so writing reminds me to keep first things first I heard a long time ago and it's really changed my life of um, if you fail at home you fail period mm-hmm. and so writing reminds me of those things it also honestly is a place where so I so I said Rachel was an Enneagram nine don't don't be scared but I'm an Enneagram four
0: um, I was going to say, I bet you're a four,
1: loving yeah. to write And So I young. cry while I write a lot. Um, yeah. And so a lot of me, a lot of times, it's my way of expressing pain and hurt mm. and heartache and frustration you know, because the must be nice that people say uh, that does happen. For me, the pain is what I see or that something people don't talk about often with visionaries is my vision is never there. It's always out there um, and it moves. And so that's a constant state of pain. And so it's a it's my counseling in a lot of ways yes. or my pre-counseling to actual counseling to clarify those thoughts. Also is like, oh, I'm going to try this out. Oh, and here's a leadership principle. What would I do if I had this problem and I was just writing myself? Oh, this is what I would do. Okay, I better go do that.
0: And do you publish everything you write, or is a lot of it, like you said, just for yourself and your own personal? Probably shouldn't, but I do
1: publish everything. <laughs> 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 I was, uh, and you know, I I don't have great punctuation and grammar. Um, I, I'm actually sitting with my editor, um, and so a lot of times she'll edit and say, you're just too hard on yourself. That is not as bad as it was. And so I'm like, mm. just, just post it.
0: <laughs> there you go. That is great. And so I guess by default, Rachel, you read everything he writes if you're the editor.
2: All right, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and and it sounds like maybe that leads to some conversations for the two of you. Maybe okay. opens up some conversations.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and I would say that, I know that he took took dibs first, but I would say I've learned a lot from him, too, by reading his writing, and that's helped mm. shape me and who I am today. Um, I think that, yeah, he inspires me in a lot of ways through his writing, so I've really appreciated that about him.
1: Hmm.
0: Sometimes we can write things that are just, they're harder to say, and... I came across a tool years ago. So my background, I was a marriage and family therapist for many years, and now I do coaching for couples. But uh, the background I have is part of what helped me and Mark to navigate some of the harder points as we were growing a business and raising kids and all the craziness that went with that. But I read about a tool called a marriage journal where you just take a notebook. It can be just a dollar dollar, notebook you pick up at the dollar store. And especially when there's maybe a painful conflict or something and it's it's just too hard to look each other in the face and say, like, I hate you in this moment, maybe. But you can write it down in that journal and then kind of give it back and forth to each other. And, and we've used that. Periodically. We haven't in quite a while, partly because it was in storage for almost three years. <laughs> and I guess we could have started a new one, but we didn't. So anyway, that's that's a gift to have that and and a way to open up communication. Yes, for
2: sure.
0: It's interesting that, that y'all are a four and a nine. I know there are books that have been written about how the different types... Interface, and I'm not. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with the Enneagram. I've done a lot of my own work uh, using the Enneagram. But um, what have you learned about how fours and nines? What What have you had to adjust to get used to to make space for each other? Let's say it that way.
1: So, making space is a great great thing to say. I never, I mean, there's not a moment that I don't know what I feel. I'm very aware. Mm -hmm. And doing the Enneagram was like a light bulb moment for me that Mm -hmm. Rachel truly doesn't know what she's feeling. Mm -hmm. And I need to allow space. And one of the gifts that we have is she's my calm. (laughs) She calms me. And I often will guide her into what she's feeling. Well, this is how I would feel. Does that resonate with you? Um, those types of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It has been very helpful.
2: Yeah, I'd say that's the number one thing is he's helping me communicate what I'm really like, what's inside of there that needs to get out, and that's been really helpful for sure.
1: We used to early on in our marriage when we would fight, I would, she would just agree with me, mm-hmm. um, and I would go, "No." am I at a terrible point there? I start making your argument for her. (laughs) And so, um, and it just, I value different things than she does. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I think that's true in all marriages, but that was another one where uh, like Rachel loves to lay in bed, uh, you know, once she wakes up, I don't understand that I'm getting going. (laughs) And so just um, kind of, I don't have to get it to give it. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. like bringing her coffee in the morning is a huge love thing for her. And so that way she can stay out there away from the kids and relax.
0: Oh, my goodness. We're married to the same man, Rachel.
2: That is awesome. I love it.
0: My (laughs) husband doesn't even drink coffee and he brings me coffee almost every day. I know. Makes a great cup of coffee. Well, and one of the things about nines, uh, so nines are described as the peacemakers, for those of you not familiar with the Enneagram. Fours are, what's the word used to describe fours, Zach? I forget.
1: There's a few of them, but they're romantic.
0: The romantic. Okay. Kind of I- idealistic a little bit. They yeah, want to yeah. be deeply understood
2: exactly that's what that's the biggest thing i've noticed about zach is he needs to be deeply understood by me to feel respected and loved
1: and then i want to deeply understand others and so Mm -hmm. thank goodness rachel uh is totally authentic with me because that that's a deal breaker in all relationships with me if if someone's not willing to be authentic so yeah
0: how long ago did you guys take the Enneagram, and what prompted that?
1: Two years ago? um I was working at a church actually as a pastor and and we just all took it as a, as a staff and I, mm-hmm. and I get really nerdy with stuff I love to read um I probably read a book a week, and so um I started researching all the things nines and fours and what What's the great spots? Where are the problem spots? <laughs> and just, uh, yeah. and then going, wow, my whole family's full of eights, and I'm a four. No wonder. Okay, okay. How do I how do I interact with those? And so, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. And especially a nine. I mean, what strikes me is one of the stories in your book, Zach. You talk about, I don't know if it was the early days because you talk about coming home and. Rachel had a crying baby. So I don't know how many years into your marriage that was, but I'm thinking that for a nine, it's very hard to speak up and say what they need. So Rachel, what helped you to maybe begin to do that more and kind of claim your own sanity?
2: (laughs) Right. Um, I think... Uh, witnessing Zach do that to me and him telling me that, you know, it's okay. You can be honest, tell me, you know, what's going on in your mind and I'm not going to get upset. Uh, but just giving me that permission that he's, you know, he's not going to react in a way that I'm going to shut down and not want to communicate And just him being authentic with me Hmm. really helped me to be authentic with him and realize that there's an intimacy there that grows when we're both authentic with each other. Mm.
0: That is so good. I, you know, sometimes we think about intimacy as being one dimensional, but it's really six there's social intimacy. Uh, the ability to share friends, there's recreational, sharing fun, there's physical intimacy, which is what we typically relate to intimacy, Um, emotional, spiritual, and cognitive, like the ability to share our brains. And so there's all these different ways that we can create more intimacy, but if we're not able to be emotionally connected, then... All these other things, because the emotional and the physical are actually very, you know, those go hand in hand. So very interesting. Have you guys uh, just worked on that on on your own or have you done any work with a counselor or coach to kind of uh, deepen some of these areas in your marriage?
2: Yeah, so yes and no. A few years ago, though, we went through uh, marriage team coaching. I don't know if you've heard of marriage team, but they're out and of Washington not. and they come and train couples to be marriage coaches. Ah. And so we went through that training and got to practice uh, how to communicate with each other and uh, just got to know the trigger points of each other and how just to really show respect and love to each other through that training. And I think that really helped us in our marriage and become better communicators.
0: I love that. I've I've talked to couples before about mentoring and Sometimes if I ask somebody, "Hey, have y'all thought about mentoring a younger couple?" and they're like, they suddenly panic, like, "What in the world would we say? Our marriage isn't perfect, and you know, it's not about having a perfect marriage, right?" Right. But uh, do you guys mentor uh, some younger couples?
1: Yes, and because of uh, being a pastor for five years, um, like we're I'm performing a wedding this summer, and so uh, we're doing premarital counseling with. Yeah. Couple, and yeah there's nothing like teaching stuff to yeah. uh, remind ourselves oh yeah oops we're, we're dropping the ball in that area let's let's bring that back up
0: yeah oh I totally agree um it's it's a good reminder sometimes we just get lazy in our relationship and it's it's a good reminder of what what are some things we need to be focusing on even if it's just one thing at a time but what do we need to focus on now that could just keep our communication fresh and open and i and i love whatever group that is i'll um put that in the show notes but you know where do we learn to have healthy relationships even if we had parents that had a great marriage we may not know how they did that unless someone intentionally talks with us about that. And so that's really great that you guys are doing that.
1: Yeah, we assume a, we assume our upbringings, obvi- I mean, I, we know, I think everyone knows there's unhealth in your upbringing, but I, I don't think, I did not realize that my upbringing just wasn't normal to Rachel. And so, uh, huh. like her parents were home for dinner every night. So that was an expectation that was not communicated. And I'm like, we're buying a pizza restaurant. When do you think business happens? Right. Uh, And so, but all the studies show as a teacher, dinner being a really strong point to a healthy family. So each time I would be working a rush, which was the job, um, she was picturing our family burning or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so that's just one area. Yeah, difference, and I mean it's just multiple. Um, my normal yeah. was not Rachel's normal, and so yeah, what do we want? And we never talked about that actively in the beginning,
2: right. right? So bringing playbooks from both of our lives that we learned growing up, and talking about those, which are usually expectations, and then coming up with a new playbook as a couple that we both agree with to have a healthier marriage and family, I think has
0: helped. Yeah. Unspoken expectations are like a landmine, aren't they? Yeah. In a relationship. Yeah. And then when we can talk about expectations, then we can move to agreements, which are different than expectations, right?
2: right? Totally agree. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how have you navigated that, that expectation, which is not by any means an abnormal or unrealistic expectation, Rachel. How how did you guys make space for the reality of this job that happens mostly at dinner time? Right.
2: <laughs> well, I think when Zach was at church and the pa- pastor at church, it really opened his eyes to doing business differently thinking differently Hmm. and I think that he had this mindset where I have to be there every rush and for dinner Um, otherwise customers will be unhappy because things will get done and uh, I think working at church working at the church really helped him to see that uh, that it's okay to not be in there every single night. Mm -hmm. Um, for every rush, um, but to just have some more flexibility, I guess, and realize the important things aren't always just business. So I think he's grown in that area and, and I've grown too. And I've realized that, wow, before I can see how I put pressure on him to be home at a certain time, uh, with the way that I've reacted when he came home in those early um, years of owning a business that made him feel extra stressed out because he knew that I wasn't pleased that he wasn't home at a certain time. Uh, so realizing that, you know, I don't want to put that extra pressure on him if there is a night or a few nights a week that he has to stay late. But giving him grace and yeah, just, I think we've grown and we've grown to compromise, I guess. And that's been helpful.
0: Hmm. Compromise is something to be learned, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing we don't, we're not born knowing how to do, they don't teach it in school. Even as parents, you know, if kids are squabbling, that's an opportunity for them to learn to compromise but so often as a parent we step in and try to fix it for them instead of letting them solve it themselves yeah do you own more than one restaurant currently
1: currently no um and so that was part of uh, i guess no other word to say but the evolution of me as an entrepreneur is um when i was full time as a pastor and had two pizza restaurants and I wasn't there for the rush. I wasn't there for any of the business. I was just okay. doing behind the scenes stuff. And surprisingly, a paycheck was still uh, the business was doing enough to pay me. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. And so we sold uh, the building of one of the locations cause I was going to sell everything and just be a pastor. And I think God had different plans. And so <laughs> yeah. Huh. just, I felt differently a couple years later and decided to step down and Back in the restaurant. So right now I'm a current and what's next. So because it anyone that's contracted what you were doing to something smaller, it's too easy right now. So I need more of a challenge. And so
0: you need a challenge, yeah. yeah. Which is that that is one of the characteristics I think of many entrepreneurs. It was the piece that my husband Mark, I don't know if you know his story, but he started as a pastor, did that for several years, had a very painful ending at a church, and he was like, I'm not going to do that again. And so he looked for another path to make a living and ended up being a nursing home administrator, did that for several years, discovered he was very good at going into troubled nursing homes. Like the state had been in and they were a mess. And he'd come in and clean it up and then he was bored. He's like, just as you said, Zach, what's next? Still, we didn't have that framework of what an entrepreneur was. Clearly he was from the beginning, but we didn't have that framework. You know, we got married in 1980 and the idea of entrepreneurship has clearly it's always been there, but in I don't know when it began being more. You would read about it, and you know our daughter has a degree in social entrepreneurship, and but we didn't have that context. He just thought there was something wrong with him. Like I can't keep a job. I can't just settle down. I can't. You know he had this long list of what he wasn't, and really felt like there was something wrong with him until, well, then he started Alls Care, which takes care of vulnerable elderly, primarily Alzheimer's and other dementias. Um, He started an assisted living in 1998. So he's been doing it 22 years, I think it is. Well, he was 45. He was a couple of years into doing the business before I got certified to do the DISC profile and there's a lot of overlap between the disc and enneagram and any well validated personality profile is going to have some overlap right but he's a very high d and when we read the descriptions he's like oh my gosh there's there's not anything wrong with me this is how i'm wired and yet, if we don't have that information about ourselves, then we're constantly beating ourselves up or beating up our spouse. I mean, there was some frustration on my part, I'll be honest, that... um you know, sometimes I felt like, why why can't you just stay with a job like other people so we could take a vacation, you know? <laughs> Does that sound familiar, Rachel? Just
2: a little. <laughs> just
0: a little. <laughs> so, you know, then he was able to embrace it, but that is something that it, it is how he's wired. He needs something else to do. And, We're buying a business currently, um, partly because COVID was a little hard on our business last year and a little scary, more than a little scary. Thankfully, we've we've been okay, but he decided, I think I need to diversify. So we're buying a business. We were supposed to close today, and it's been delayed till next week. But yeah, he just needs something to do. So...
1: Well, congratulations.
0: Yes. Thank you. It's a... Port a potty business, so it's very <laughs> different.
2: I <laughs> <Hello? That's
0: great>. love <laughs> By the, I can say that now. I mean, by the time this goes live, it it will be a done deal. But yeah, it's a very different business. Very few employees, and so um, I want to circle back, Zach, and hear a little more about your transition into full time or paid ministry. Can you? talk to us about how that evolved. And then I think I read on your blog that you recently resigned from that. So fill us in on that chapter.
1: Yeah. So, um, in the beginning of owning our pizza place, it really was pizzas and dollars. I mean, that was it. And over time, it, it um, I was begging God for a deeper calling. Um, mm. And, uh, Over time, I realized that it was the 16- and 17-year-olds working for me. That was my calling. And so I started, Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on customers and pizzas, It started to be focusing on, here's a 16-year-old. What is your dream for your life? Do you have Mm -hmm. anything that you want to do? And started teaching everything in the business towards that. So, And I still do that today where I think... I don't want them to buy into my dream. That's ridiculous. Uh, I want them to see how their dream can connect to mine. And if it can connect, mm-hmm. they'll take off and flourish. And so the business changed for me. And then we ended up opening another store. And I got bored. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelmer <laughs> bored. Overwhelmer bored. I think I'd love to be happy in the middle, but I'm just not. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> why fi it? um and so it was like this this is too easy uh do i want to open up another store so i started writing um and i wrote for about five or six years figured out how to get on to places like entrepreneur and places like that And it was like i figured this out okay that's no longer challenging and so what's next and we had just switched churches and the pastor was like well hearing you talk about your business you actually we have an opening you might why and it was over the groups, um, and so they hired me on as a group develop group director, and mentored me into becoming a pastor over those mm. years, and mm. I became a spiritual development pastor, and they actually saw were going to promote me five months ago. Mm-hmm. Five months ago, we're going to promote me into key leadership for the future. And the moment I saw the future, then I asked, do I want that? And so I wrestled with it for a while. I didn't know what was going on, but I wasn't sleeping at night. And basically that was the peace of God had left is what I feel was going on. And so I was praying about, God, do I step back into what I was while I wait for what you have for me next? Or do I just stay here? And I had read something um, in Emotional Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. And he said, you know, spend two months imagining one direction when it's a good decision, when the either decision is not sin. Just, hey, just two months. And so for two months, it was I'm selling my store uh, that I had clung to and no one was going to get me to do that. But I was wow. like, no, for two months, I'm going to imagine I sell that and I'm going to pour my life in here. And I could not sleep for those two months. And the moment I switched to, I'm going to resign my role as pastor and step into this. I slept that night for the first time in months. And so, um, I played out that two months. And at the end of those two months, I went into our lead pastor and said, um, thank you. I'm honored, but no, thank you. Mm. Um, and our church, thankfully is all about multiplication. And so, um, we're, it's a three campus church and, They were like, multiplying doesn't just mean a ministry. And so we believe we're planning a campus at your store. And so, yeah, bless me.
0: And I love that there are hopefully more churches like that. Um, Are you familiar with Tim Keller's book, Mm -hmm. Every Good Endeavor? That was one of the first things that Mark and I read a couple of years ago because he really wrestled having grown up in a ministry wow. family and thinking that his calling was also in ministry. And so when he, air quotes, left the ministry to start a business or, well, he worked in the nursing home industry for a while and then did start a company, which some people call it a ministry. And it's really not. I'm not sure. We could have another conversation about how do you define ministry, but it's a business and it. Part of what Mark has come to embrace is that there is dignity in uh, creating work for people that have the dignity of going to work. you know, nobody wants a handout, and yet there's been this wrestling spiritually, I think, with um he especially, I think, grew up because we've had a lot of conversations, so I don't. I'm not intending to speak for him, but it's something we've talked about a lot. This idea that if you really love God, you'll sell everything and go to Africa or wherever or be a missionary somewhere. And we, we have this dichotomy between what we would call secular work and ministry. And yet Tim Keller in that book talks about how everything, you know, everything in our life is sacred if we view it that way. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. And Rachel, feel free to chime in too, because I'm sure you guys had many conversations during those two months about selling the store. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about how you view work and ministry. Is there a difference? Or have you learned to integrate? Or where are you in that process? I that think. was a long question. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're okay. Um, so ministry is so much more administration than I mm-hmm. dreamed. Um, so I was over groups in the beginning and then it switched to all the spiritual development things. Well, groups alone in our church were over 50 groups. And so I had between groups and apprentices, like 120 people and um, that I was leading that led the 600 others. And so, so much of my job was not actually with people. Mm. Yeah, it is how you just define ministry. I totally, totally get that. But I missed working with non-Christians. Um, I'll say this, and hopefully it doesn't sound disrespectful. Christians are exhausting. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> exhausting and demanding and can fight over the dumbest stuff. Mm. Uh, I think 2020 and 2021 has proven that. Mm. And. I would love to say God's people are the most graceful, um, but that's often not true, unfortunately. Um, and so I miss working with people that honestly you can talk about what matters. And and that's a shame that I found that outside of the church, but it is. I, like the meaning of life and talking about Jesus and how alive he can be in their life, it, I think often Christians lose that. Hmm as they fight over um, theological positioning and all the other things where I just got, and as an entrepreneur, this was my aha moment. I had a realization that I don't want to play politics. Mm. (laughs) And unfortunately a lot of times to get people to move in church, you got to be a little more nuanced. Mm. And uh, that's just not my wiring. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I don't think there's a, obviously I'm biased. I don't think there's a greater call than giving someone a job and teaching them to work and um, being there in the moments of their life, working alongside of them because the truth of scriptures are there throughout their lives. And so I get to enter into those conversations with people that have never even heard about Jesus. And honestly, a lot of times don't even know I'm telling them a Bible story as Mm -hmm. I explain this guy. Um, who happens to be Moses, but they don't know that until the end. And yeah. so I've learned to tell them stories and to lower their defenses. So mm-hmm. I hope I answered that question. I didn't go down too big of a rabbit trail for you, Captain.
0: No, I wandered around in the questions. So yeah, what yeah. what are your thoughts, Rachel? What was what was your part of the process as Zach took those two months to think about whether to take that position or not?
2: Yeah. So I kind of went back. It was like a roller coaster, <laughs> roller coaster. Of like, oh no, a change is coming. You <laughs> have to make a decision. And this peacemaker, like, steady and calm. And it did not feel <laughs> like that. <laughs> to also realizing that I wanted my husband to be at peace, mm. and I knew there was a lot of stress and anxiety and a wrestling going on in his mind and. I hated that, so I had to just trust that God would reveal what path would be best for him and for us, and um, just the moment hearing that he slept through the nights after he made that decision, I just had to trust him, okay, this is God, and even though this is closing a chapter and doing something different, it was going to be okay.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because the thing about the church that she loved is I was home for dinner. Yeah. And and then I would sometimes have to go back out. But I was always home for dinner. And there when the kids got off, and it was like, whoa, I'm going to lose that. And so that was part of the – it's almost like even though we've done the same business Hmm. for 17 years, I have a do-over. What's the life I want? what's the life Rachel wants? How can we get the business to be the slave and not the master? Uh, right. Right. And so like today's Friday when we're recording this and she knows on Friday, I'll, I might be home at midnight, No, <laughs> but mm-hmm. don't expect me home. See, one of the early problems in owning a business was telling her when I would be home mm. in a rush dependent business. So, like, hey, I'll be home at this time. Well, we had a line out the door and you know, yeah. and everything's going crazy. I couldn't leave. And I couldn't make a phone call to tell her that because it was that in those moments. And so those were some of the lessons we learned. So there's two nights a week that she don't expect me home till after the kids are in bed. And mm-hmm. hopefully I can be off before that. But the rest of the night, I will be home and the business can handle the rush.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And that's part of growing as a business owner, isn't it? That you hopefully can get the business to where you can work on the business and not in the business. But yeah. it, it takes some time to get there and some growth decisions and... A good thing for the business when you've got people out the door, right? But it and it sounds like you've been able to work at more realistic expectations. And that's something you can probably live with, Rachel, right? Like two nights a week. Yes. So much better. But I I I will hope that, you know, five nights a week then we can have dinner together. And that's I'm a I'm a big advocate of family dinner. That was some of the best time around the table. And Sometimes as our kids were in different sports, it was nine o'clock at night when we were having dinner, but we sat down together. But it wasn't every night, but it it is a good goal to aspire to. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there's a lot still in process. Tell me about some of the things that you guys do to enhance the fun, friendship and intimacy in your marriage.
2: Yeah. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is we try to schedule little, little outside of dates, weekly dates, um, mini moons, where we will get away for a couple of nights uh, every three or four months and just have fun together. And we really love Central Oregon, just the mountains and the trails and the hikes and going to restaurants that we don't have in our little town and I'm a big foodie so I love going to places with good food Uh, but yeah riding bikes together and that really helps us to really get away from chores and duties at home and just focus on each other and what we delight in doing together has helped us to have fun and have a friendship
0: oh that's so great Minnie what'd you call them? Mini moons? Mini moons. Yeah. That's a new term. I'll have to hang on to that.
1: Yeah. It was a grandma Newman term. Um, and so <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she would, she would tell us get away for mini moons. And so, um, you know, one thing my parents did a great job of, I feel like a great job of modeling is not waiting to live until they retired. Mm. And so that's part of that. Like if, I don't schedule those things. They just don't happen. It's not that I don't like them. No, I I love to spend time with my wife, but you got to schedule them and also verbalize expectations again, or not even expectations. What do I want? Like, I like as a man, I like to be side by side with my wife and doing things with her. And so, and she likes to talk with me. Uh, and so, one of the side by side things. In, even in household chores, I love to work outside. And so a year and a half ago, it was, well, what can I do to? Rachel asked me, what can I do for you that I haven't been doing? And I said, I would love you to work outside with me. And she goes, well, there's so much to do inside. I said, I'll help you more inside um, if, if you come outside and spend this time with me. So it's easy to get stuck in ruts. Yeah. And that, that's something that she was unaware of. I did, I was unaware, I didn't communicate that and so that's been even a change just in the last year of Rachel goes oh you're going outside do you want me to come <laughs> and so yeah and sometimes it's no I want to be alone I'm getting out of this crazy house right, <laughs> right. but other times it's like yeah let's work a little bit and then we'll do laundry yeah. later together yeah we cook together every night at home by the way
0: oh that's fun and
1: so every night at home we cook together and it's an opportunity for us to talk And for it not to be on Rachel's shoulders, because we both work. Um, And so that would be totally unfair. Uh, And so, and on the nights that I'm going to be late, usually I'm bringing pizza home the night before (laughs) (laughs) while I'm working. And so... Or pot nobs.
0: Love it. Oh, that's so fun. So you cook together, garden together. What are some other... Things that you do have in common, and are there some hobbies that are different for each of you?
1: Yeah, Steph. So, um, like I said, we have a little farm homestead, and there's animals, and um, like we have 55 meat chickens right now. Uh, Rachel's not going to do any part of that, uh, <laughs> so she thinks I am the strangest human that I enjoy that, and so yeah, um, I also hunt. And she's too loving and kind for those type of things. And so uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. also I'm a huge football fan. And early on, I thought she was, but that was more, we were dating and she was trying to impress me. I think she used <laughs> 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 yeah, you, you to undo her, but,
2: <laughs> but those are the hobbies <laughs> that
1: I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I liked anything uh, where I can recharge I love alone time so mm-hmm. like a hot bath going for a walk or riding the bike by myself those are things that I really enjoy and just being outside and looking at flowers and mm-hmm. just really noticing the the things around the scenery and just taking delight in that that I really enjoy
1: that's
0: great. Because it's good to have our own space too, right? Yes. Especially
1: yeah. We're both introverts. Um, and so, um, yeah. 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 I mean, we love to be together. We also love to be apart. And so yeah. right. there's there's a certain amount of days alone where it's like, okay, now just, okay, let's go do our own thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Great. One or two more questions. What do you know now about work or marriage that you wish you had known when you got married <laughs> i see them counting on their fingers <laughs> i was gonna say one.
1: No, i kind of mentioned it earlier but such a valuable lesson for me is not to promise something that i can't control
2: mm.
1: not to promise something that i am not built, that i literally can't control so um so businesses provide great amount of freedom, but mine is a minimum wage working job, which has turnover. And when it's been a while since turnover, we have great freedom. And when I have a bunch of new employees, I don't have any. You know, and so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not promising. So like when I'm going to be home, how many hours I'm going to work months from now?
2: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say for me, Similar, the opposite though is just not holding on to expectations uh, that are unrealistic for him, uh, but also, but communicating, you know, this is what I'm thinking and not holding those thoughts in. And I think just, I wish I would have given him grace in the beginning more and also just knowing who he really is now but knowing that he's a four and that totally makes sense having those deep conversations with him at the beginning of our marriage and taking the time to just have those intimacy but those intimate conversations I think would have would have helped I think in the beginning for sure
1: yeah because I can be exhausting I'm always wanting to have those deep deep conversations. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. get enough of them. And I didn't realize how exhausting that is for others. Because um, yeah. it's like, well, why not have more?
0: Yeah. If a little is good, more must be better, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, and we can celebrate. I think it's good to recognize the progress we have made. We don't want to wallow in the past, but I think these are some of the takeaways that I think may help other couples to hear and maybe they can grasp some of these same insights a little sooner. That's my hope. So anything else y'all want to say before we wrap up?
1: I would say efficiency is great. Margin is better. Mm. And too often entrepreneurs are focused on efficiency, 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 squeezing every dollar. And part of the reason we have time freedom now is because we have set up a life where I don't need to maximize the money out of the business. Mm-hmm. And I think just not, and in that, just don't forget why you started a business yeah, and it wasn't to be a slave to it. Right. The thing that just ticks me off about the quotes like uh, entrepreneur is the only person that'll work 80 hours for, you know, for themselves is that that's said with pride.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you're, and if an entrepreneur is constantly working eighty hours a week, that's not something to be prideful about.
0: That's true. You can't do that forever. It's no, not sustainable there's seasons.
1: There's seasons, mm-hmm. but if that's yeah, yeah. That's constant. That's just heartbreaking.
2: Mm-hmm. And I would say, wives of, of entrepreneurs, uh, I would say, communicates in a respectful way to your husband or spe- yeah, husband. Uh, If you're starting to feel overwhelmed or feel like the business has got a hold of them, using I statements and telling them how it makes you feel, but also having an understanding of, you know, this might just be the season and it will get better Um, and giving, offering them grace um, in the busy seasons too.
0: That is so good. Well, Zach and Rachel, I thank you so much for your time. I know your Fridays, especially, are probably a little more precious. So I thank you for taking this time and sharing your insights and being so vulnerable and your story. I've loved hearing it. And I wish you all the best. You guys take care. Thank, thank you. you, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening and coming along on this journey with us. If you enjoyed this episode, I'll bet you know someone else that might also find it helpful. Sharing an episode is super easy. You can also give a rating or leave a useful comment. And all of these things help the show rankings, which then helps others find the show. Thank you in advance for being an action taker. You can find a full transcript at kathyrushing.com. And if you have a burning question or a comment you'd like to leave, you can now leave me a voicemail, and I'll include it in a future episode. Just click the link in the show notes, and voila, your voice will show up in my inbox. You're building a life together. Make it a great one. See you next time.